Hey everybody, it's Foggy from Wanderings and Wool Gathering. You know, the charming, good-looking, funny one. Yeah, that's me. Hey, I'm asking you today to leave us a review. If you like the show, tell us why you like the show. If there's something we could do better, let us know. We do the show for us, but we are trying to make it the best show we possibly can. So it doesn't matter if you're listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, or Stitcher. Let us know how we're doing. Drop us a review and we will definitely respond. And now, on to the show with Jack the Radio. Ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good, here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 64, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. Tonight, we forego our usual shenanigans and instead welcome Jack the Radio to the show. They recently released their fifth record, Creatures, and a comic book illustrating each song on the record. We have a full review of both at wanderingsandwoolgathering.com. I'm sure the boys will be able to fill in the gaps and let us know what we had wrong. I'm your host, Foggy, and with me as always, JPP, T-Bags, Metalhead Monday, and the educator, Joe Reif. Welcome, boys. Greetings. Hello, everybody. I'm going to do my impression of uh, Foggy real quick. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't high enough for my nasally voice. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering. How's that? <laughs> that was on point. Uh, this, is, this is you after spending a long time in Canada at the M MMA fights. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering. <laughs> That's after three more of these uh, 200 ales. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'll get better as, uh, as time allows when I get to practice. <laughs> Uh, well, as we said, we, we have a, a couple of guests tonight. So, uh, Metalhead, would you like to make the introduction? Yes. Uh, special night tonight. So, a couple of weeks ago, I was stopped in to see my buddy Sean at Comics Cubed in beautiful downtown Kokomo, Indiana, on Geek Street. Um, and he threw a comic my way, and he said, hey, this looks like something you would like. And I looked at the cover, and I was like, well, that's pretty badass. So... The title was a little confusing. <laughs> so it was called Jack the Radio Creatures Anthology. So I started flipping through. I'm like, eh, it looks cool. I'll pick it up. Came home, read it, loved it. Saw it was a band that actually was involved with this project. So I looked up their music. I'm like, damn, these guys are good. So, you know, little uh, thanks to Instagram. Got a little, uh, couple little hookups, quick introductions, and they crazily agreed to come on the show. So tonight we have uh, Mr. George Hodge and Kevin Rader from Jack the Radio. How are you guys doing tonight? Great, man. Awesome. Excited Good. to be here. Great. Well, we're glad to have you on for sure. This is this is very awesome. And then just so you know, to tie into Monday's story, he was very eager to tell us, He, you know, when he's excited about music, Monday has like one face, no matter the mood. And so for him to be excited about something is incredible. So he was like, guys, bounce, bounce, bounce. You got to check this out. So he got that, that excitement going out the gate. And I ordered the copy from Sean. He shipped it over to me. I'm, I'm about an hour away from where these guys are. So um, I read it and listened to the album and read while listening to the album, too. So very fun experience. I can't say that I um, had a comic book that was paired with a CD before. I've had the books on tape with He-Man and stuff like that as a kid, but you know, <laughs> this was way cooler. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, thanks to Sam for uh, ordering the book and getting you guys to read it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. As soon as we started, we decided to do this, you know, I hit him up and had him order a few more copies for the guys and all that. So get to throw away a wave blue world, a little business there. Yeah. He's been dealing with them. That's one of the companies he started dealing with pretty regularly, like when the shutdown happened. And I don't know how much you guys know about that, but uh, Diamond Distributors kind of shut down. So there were like no new comics really going out. And so Sean started hitting up all these indie publishers and the Wave Blue World was one of them. So we've gotten several of their books through him. Oh, and awesome. that was, so he's got a pretty good relationship going with them too. So kind of, you know, threw them some business and they're kind of helped keep him afloat during this weird time and all that. So pretty cool. No, that's awesome. But uh, if you guys uh, let's, oh, go ahead, Steve. Can I, can, no, I was just going to say, let's, I know we want to get to the comic book and we want to get to that connection eventually. Uh, but at the core here with you guys mm -hmm. is the music and, it, and it's the album. I'd so, love to go back and talk about the creation of the album as we wrote about in the review, there's just this theme that runs through of positivity. All this negativity is encompassing everybody, and yet nearly every song comes out with this real positive message. So how was it creating this, and what was kind of behind the whole movement that you guys had with it? Yeah, I mean, th this was a, like a three-and-a-half-year process, putting this record together. Um, we, we All of us have played in other bands, have had other projects, had life things happen. Uh, so it, it took kind of a while to get this together. Uh, and, and Kevin came in in the past year or so and really helped finalize the band and, and really get 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 us where we could finish the record. Um, and it was awesome. He was kind of the, the missing link, um, which was great, man. Um, brought in some killer drum parts, killer harmonies. Um, and it, it was what we needed, I think, to, to really wrap things together. But I mean, uh, oddly enough, all these songs were written uh, and the, the record was wrapped in February of this year. So everything was done before COVID, before anything really hit. But, it, you know, everything was based on, you know, things that had happened in my life, things that I was going through, things that I've seen friends go through. Um, and I think one constant, no matter what point in your life you're in and who you're talking about is everybody has ups and downs and i i i feel like i need to remind myself and friends sometimes you know that it's going to be okay that we're we're going to get through it um and that really seemed to become the theme of of the record in a lot of the songs yeah kevin he mentioned you in there what do you have to say about that <laughs> he actually gave you some credit. I mentioned him. Yeah. well <laughs> I, I I think he's only doing that because of my Kokomo connection, but uh, no, uh, no, but really, really, you know, um, I I try not to throw the word genius around too lightly, but uh, I came in as he as George said, a lot of the stuff was already recorded. There there were drum parts that were already recorded when I came to the project. They scrapped all of those drum parts. Didn't let me hear the original drum parts because they didn't want me to be influenced. And um, I was given a lot of creative um, leeway to, to put my own stamp on it, which I really, really appreciate. Um, and George, by the way, has a great ear for drums. He, had, he made a lot of suggestions. Um, so we had a really good time coming up with the parts, you know, and um, work, working together kind of as a team to put it all together. But, um, yeah, I guess that's all I want to say about it. But Well, I have a piggyback on that. What Kevin's not telling you is 
before this band he's he's sang in bands and i didn't know any of this until we got into the studio and, and started working on this record together we had known each other through the music scene and, and had played some shows together when kevin was playing with some other bands um and we're we're drinking buddies and uh talk music all the time but kevin uh come to find out over the past year has sang in bands can play guitar um so he's not only a drummer it's he it was awesome working together because you know he hears things that not all drummers hear um he he you know kevin you 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 focus on melody and and uh where lyrics land and things like that that, that some drummers are really good about and some i don't know that they think about all the time but luckily you're very aware of that stuff yeah well i always say i'm not a drummer's drummer i'm I'm a musician's drummer, so. <laughs> That's a good well, thing. I have to though. say, it's, uh, it's 15 minutes into the podcast here. Uh, normal drummers, we'd still be waiting on them to even show up. So I figured you were <laughs> you were not the ordinary drummer. Um, <laughs> That's I've been my in driveways laying on my horn and like, where is he? Let's go. <laughs> That's my orchestra background. I, I'm never late. Oh, very <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you guys knew each other so, from music scene did, did influences overlap or was it just a love of music or or you know was there another common thread other than just hey we need a drummer and, and you're available type of thing which i i know it was more than that but you know yeah i think it's it's definitely there's a pretty tight knit of people and it's rotating man raleigh and the triangle in general has a great music scene and there's a lot of bands that uh have been around for years and there's a ton of new bands that seem to come up every year that are crazy talented um but you know we've we've kind of run in that circle and had a lot of friends you know we were mentioning mike mckee that plays with delta ray was a, a friend i don't know if that's how we met kevin originally was through mike it or is yeah through some shows um but you know we, yeah, we've known each other off and on yeah and we still... you guys sorry <laughs> you know when you okay. podcast it's like it's not just uh, who you know. It's also can you get along with this person? Yes. Um, can you put up with this person for more than just the show? Um, and I think it over a couple of years we realized like we enjoy each other's company. I think this might work out. <laughs> Definitely you helpful. Know, I honestly I don't know. Um, I don't know if you guys ever actually heard me play drums before you asked me to join the band. We did. I know with the. The Groove of the Garden show. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, and I think there was a couple other shows that I saw you play, like one, maybe one other show. And they yeah. still asked me to join. That's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Even after Groove at the Gardens, wow. <laughs> and that's you know right. what else speaks to your music scene down there? Because I was curious if if we should be watching, you know, Charlotte and Raleigh in that kind of area. Because it seems like, you know, Austin's played out. Nashville's, you know, Nashville and. Uh, I wondered if that's the next big thing is down in North Carolina, but maybe Man, hopefully North Carolina is insane with talent. I mean, if, if you go back like George Clinton from parliament funkadelics from Kinston area, Thelonious monk, uh, and then uh, on to like Ben folds, James Taylor, Chapel Hill area. Mm -hmm. And then with the metal scene, uh, between the buried and me is from here. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, conformity. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. 
COC is one of my favorite bands. Yeah, we finally got to see them. Paul and I finally got to see them a couple of years ago. They were amazing. So. But I, I feel like any genre, I mean, Doc Watson is from here. Like mm-hmm. any genre you think of, I feel like we've got a staple uh, from North Carolina in, in one way or the other. And some great talent still coming out of the area. A lot in the, the kind of Americana country folk scene, it seems mm-hmm. like. Um, but that some of the best songwriting I feel like is in that area sometimes. Um, yeah. And you guys grab some great guest stars too, to do background mm-hmm. vocals on these tracks. I really enjoyed the, the, the guest tracks, so to speak awesome. with the ladies. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they were phenomenal. Yeah. Lydia Loveless is uh killer kind of almost punk rock country singer, um, that, that is a transplant to North Carolina. So I don't know if we can officially claim her yet, but uh, <laughs> she's, she's in North Carolina now, but, uh, she was, she was great. Uh, Tamisha Waden is another killer singer that's on several tracks on the record. Outstanding. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's just got a huge voice and she's done, she's one of those performers that she's done stuff in like this blues rock world, uh, in the Americana kind of country folk world, in the hip hop world. Like she, she does so much, um, and with like little brother who's who's out of this area and um in, in ninth wonder who's like gone on to be award-winning producer um, another north carolina um uh, talent i mean there's just so many people and gene jolly was the other uh guest mm-hmm. singer that is super talented i mean like i can't say enough good things and kevin sang some too but we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, what we're talking about, backing vocals, you know, I mean, throughout the whole album and really like all of your albums, that's one thing that I really love is I grew up, you know, with my dad listening to his stuff, getting hooked on harmony vocals and all, you oh, know, yeah. Eagles, Little River Band, all that kind of stuff. So that I, I am a sucker for that. And the backing vocals you guys put out are crazy good it's really fun to listen to thanks man i mean yeah in all seriousness kevin and danny uh laid down some great harmonies and we again had some great guests um i think harmony is always something uh that that we try to push so again it it it's a tell to how kevin was a great fit coming into the band um he he had that higher register that danny and i are not good at (laughs) so it it was perfect that's awesome. Uh, Joe had mentioned something earlier when he asked his question. He talked about influences, you know, and you guys kind of waver. You got some Southern rock feel. You got some bluesy feel. You got some country. What are your influences? What do you guys pull from when you're creating? Kevin, what you got, man? It's I think it's all over the place. <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree. Well, so I, I usually answer this question that George once said that he he kind of felt like the band sounds like tom petty if he never left the south and i think that's i think that's right on you know i mean we all come from a lot of varied influences george i keep discovering more and more that george and i have a lot of common influences that i didn't know about um but i grew up playing punk rock yeah um you know that's what i did through high school and then kind of moved into the grunge scene when i went to ball state and did that uh, for a long time and didn't get into you know the country types of things till i moved down here but you know, all of the guys in the band have, they pull from a lot of different influences. I think, you know, George will have to speak to the influences on the writing because he does all the writing. But 
Um, I think it's cool that we all kind of bring our own flavors and our own interpretations to the style of music that we play. Oh, kind of going along um, with that. I was going to ask too, uh, George, your, your Puerto Rican Lebanese heritage. I mean, does any of that come into play with your music? Or? I think that's a tough question because Middle Eastern music is so different, <laughs> but there is a huge rhythmic element in Middle Eastern music that hits hits in it it sneaks into pop culture i think and we're not fully aware of it uh, same thing with like latin music with the puerto rican side like rhythm i feel like is very like groove and rhythm is very ingrained in me uh and i don't always realize it but i think that kind of has influenced a little bit of kind of the groove that we try to bring um which uh, a very nice drunk gentleman once dubbed as Swamp Rock, which I freaking love. Uh, <laughs> it, to me, it, it kind of talks about that groove and like kind of a sludge and grit that's there. And, and it's in there in a couple of tracks on this record. But, um, but yeah, I think that's probably a way that it, it injects kind of very secretly. And, you know, it's yeah, we love it, man. I mean, influence-wise... <laughs> Oh, sorry. I was just going to say influence wise, it is all over the place and it's tough. I mean, we were just talking about all the talent from North Carolina. I feel like there's so many people to be influenced with, with funk and with rock and with metal and hip hop. And like, it's hard not to uh, take those things in and, and with the country and the bluegrass as well. Um, it's all there. Yeah, certainly. And I apologize. There's a bit of a lag, I think, with my connection over here. We've we've had some inclement weather, and I think it's taxing on my, my internet tonight, so bear with me. But I was going to say, like, as soon as I heard the album kind of kick off, I, I definitely heard some Tom Petty right out the gate. And, yeah. and I thought it was interesting how it kind of evolved a little bit, and, and there was just, you know, definitely the Southern element, like was mentioned before, too. And I don't know if you're familiar with a band called the Steepwater Band that tours quite a bit, but uh, just kind of that slide and, and some of that bluesy element reminds me of a buddy of mine that plays with them, too. Too, and it's just just has a nice thick raw edge and uh but it's it's in your face but not abrasive too so um it's just the, the writing is well done everything has a, its place it sits well and you know i'm come from the the production aspect quite a bit so i listen for those kind of things quite a bit and then and you know i just thought that that was really well executed that's fantastic man thank you thanks man no problem speaking of tom petty that honeybee cover whew. man yeah <laughs> man that that's crazy good thank you thank you that was one we just did for for fun back in 2014 and it's it's kind of crazy because we just kind of threw it out there we had a, a buddy that worked at a studio in durham north carolina that they were looking to kind of show off and showcase the studio a little bit so he asked us if we wanted to come in and at the time we didn't have any new songs to record so we're like let's do a cover song and uh, i think it was danny's wife suggested honeybee and we we're all like how did no one think of this before you're a genius <laughs> good call good call yeah. so we did that one and kind of put it out there and you know got got a little bit of love for it but it was really i think unfortunately uh till till tom passed and when that happened i think people were looking for more content uh looking for people covering his music and and was very fortunate to have that song picked up by uh, Tom Petty's Sirius Radio uh, okay. channel uh, pretty recently, I think a few months back. 
Um, and that's, I think, also helped bring some new listeners our way as well. So it's great timing in that sense. Very cool. I think the great thing about a Tom Petty cover, people are very, you know, like reverent towards Tom. And so they're going to, they're not going to put out a shitty cover of a Tom Petty song. I, I, I think I, there's probably one out there. I'm, I don't go to bars yeah. much anymore, but you know, I'm sure they're, they're hanging out, but if it gets to the point where you're, you're producing one, um, I, it's funny on the drive in, I heard um, Eddie Vedder singing wildflowers and it's like, Oh, it's like so good, oh, you know, but I, I think people are afraid to do a, a shitty Tom Petty cover. Cause they're like, it's Tom and it's still pretty fresh that he's been gone, you know? So and that's that's interesting i hadn't thought about that if we would have if we would have still done the cover after he passed i don't know because there is an, an it's like sacred ground right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i hadn't even thought about that that's a great point man <laughs> i guess i guess my point also was your cover was not shitty you made it you did it man so good job. <laughs> That was I was getting to that. Sorry. Awesome. You should have led with that, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Hey George. I, honestly, honestly, having not I, I did not play on, on that, so I can say that right. I think more people should be afraid of doing shitty covers. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey uh not naming names, I'm just saying. <laughs> Always yeah, we got it. Yeah. Uh, George, um, I wanted to ask a little bit about your uh, the songwriting, the the lyric writing. Sure. There, I mean, there are songs that just sound good, but don't necessarily say a whole lot, and they're kind of fun and everything. But most of your songs seem to have a pretty clear message, and they're they're pretty cleverly written. They're they're poetic. Um, can you talk a little bit about your songwriting process and why "Paint the Sky" is my favorite song? <laughs> I'm gonna get in my head for that one. Oh, that is awesome, man. Uh, and that's that's awesome to hear too. I mean, the 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 process varies. I mean, paint the sky specifically was one was kind of therapeutic. Um, you know, lost someone in my family, and was trying to kind of work through that emotionally. And it was the idea of like they're never really gone. That there you can look at the stars whether whether you think there's a heaven or not but uh but you can just look up and and see that the stars are memories that they're they're people almost um and i found that really comforting and, and uh you know find myself looking at the sky especially these times we're home all the time and it's been oddly beautiful weather for the most part i don't know how it is in kokomo but um we've had some great great <laughs> here. well yeah, now it's. I think it was ninety-five today, so it's yeah, yeah. not so much in that that department, but um, yeah, man, it, it's it's different. Like sometimes, uh, and a song will start with something like that, where it's a very specific uh, thought or theme in mind. Sometimes it's just the melody, um, and then uh, it's trying to fit lyrics into that melody. Um, it's it's always a little bit different. But there, this record, I think specifically, was the first one that there was a lot of, a lot more very personal uh, things that had happened over five years or so, um, which was kind of the good, good part of this taking so long to finish. Yeah. I speaking of uh, songwriting, Secret Cities is one of my favorite tracks. Oh, man. And, um, I'm real particular on closers of the album. I know 
as nice. you guys probably still put an order together with a reason, even yeah. if people aren't going to listen in that order. But I personally have a tradition when I go on vacation just to walk around cities um, Dude. and to take that in. So I thought it was interesting, one, that you said it was in New York and like you wouldn't think of New York as a secret city being one of the largest places. <laughs> but I got what you were saying about the stories. Mm. Uh, but I was curious as to whether when you were feeling that, was it like a was it like a moment of like sadness that you're not going to know all of these stories or is it like a celebration that all of these stories are happening around you? Yeah, I tend to try to look on the positive side. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I, I love that idea, man. This is my favorite part of uh, we've been doing interviews the past couple of weeks and just kind of hearing other people's thoughts on, on the lyrics has honestly been my favorite part of doing these. And um, this song, it's, it's like the sleeper song on the record um, that a lot of people have been connecting with. This was one when we sent it to the, sent the album to the publisher early on for the comic book that Paint the Sky and Secret Cities were the two that they pointed out as well, um, which is which is really cool because going into it, I didn't know how people would react to those because they're slower. They're not kind of our traditional sound of, uh, you know, rock blues. They don't necessarily have those things uh, up front, but I mean, I, I definitely was thinking about it more in a positive light where I, I was walking around. The song started as like feeling alone and um, walking around the city and being like, you know, I'm by myself. What am I, what am I doing? But then realizing like there are things happening all around us at all times. Um, New York is, is it, it made it easier for me to kind of realize that because there are so many people there and there are so many pockets of people. Um, but it, it's been cool, man. And we, we actually did an interview yesterday uh, and the interviewer, he, he kind of expanded the meaning of the song, uh, physically like stretched it out instead of a city. He was talking about like a region of the state and talking about like forgotten towns in that you're driving past. Um, and realizing like there's still pockets of people there, there's still livelihood there, um, which I thought was a really cool uh, interpretation of the song. Um, but I, I love the idea too, that it is like realizing like, I'm not gonna know these pockets. I mean, that's, you know, you're asking about writing the song. Like I, I do want, I want it to be specific enough that you, you can grasp onto something, but also general enough that you can kind of take your own life and your own context and maybe put your own thoughts and ideas in there that there's space for that. That's to me, my, my favorite music allows for that kind of stuff. Yeah. That yeah. was definitely one of my favorite songs on the album as well. Uh, it is, I think it is my favorite vocal performance on that. Oh, wow. for sure. And uh, it's, it's a really beautiful song, but uh, touching on your vocals, I wanted to, I, I doubt you've ever heard this, but when I first heard Creatures or the album, um, you know, it goes into Don't Count Me Out is the first, you know, full song on there. And um, when I heard your voice, I'm like, man, I, he sounds like somebody. And I couldn't put my finger on it for a while. And I finally figured out what it was. Has anybody ever told you that you kind of sound like Lee Rocker from the Stray Cats? Whoa. <laughs> no, I've never heard that. If you go and listen, 
if you listen to some of his solo stuff, I'm like, man, this George sounds like this guy a little bit. It sounds like a rocker. <laughs> I'm gonna have to put that out. That's right back down right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I wanted to point out too, like you were saying about you know being kind of feeling alone in New York. I've I've been there twice with my wife, and you know once with my daughter a couple of years ago we visited, and it's amazing that you know when you see a city that vast, you do feel alone in the sense that there's so much going on around you. There, it's so huge and functioning, but you know you're just this little tiny piece. You're like a an atom and a big molecule if you will and yeah. uh, you know it's just it's it's just surreal and and humbling in, in a lot of ways but oh, yeah to that you know we were talking um well i'm not talking rather sorry but i was when i was reading the comic i saw the message about we're all right and that's another thing that fascinates me too when you write an idea when you write a song and you've got kind of your own intention. And of course, listeners can perceive it for what they want. I thought it was interesting that, you know, you had kind of an idea in mind and then given the state of affairs of the world now, this message kind of ties into what we're enduring now. And so that just really kind of put in the, you know, drove home, if you will, that humanity does have its consistencies amidst the chaos, if you will. So um, I just thought that was really cool to kind of see how that script flipped and, you know, still ties in very nicely and, and, uh, you know, still has a lot of meaning and depth and could even go further as things progress. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I hope it's, it's as pertinent uh, next year this time. And hopefully for different reasons. Hopefully it's not because we're still in this mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think I think we forever will have things we can all improve on and all work on. Um, I don't think that will ever go away. So ho- hopefully there, there's meaning there. Yeah. So what's the challenge once you get a story or in- inspired by it? What's the challenge musically then to go back like with Kevin and like make that um, into a song? <laughs> What's the problem there? Kevin, I'd say, I'd say the music is, is the fun and uh, sometimes easy part. Not always, but um, I, I enjoy it. (laughs) You guys have discussions about like, I mean, what you felt, I mean, like this is, you know, already this is going to be a slow song or do you just like kind of have conversations about the feeling? Uh, Good, man. Oh, oh, well, I was, I'm sorry. I was muted. Um, I was, I'll say one of my favorite parts is about, about the writing process is that, you know, George will come in with these songs and they're, of course, they're great songs. They, they stand on their, their own and just to hear the band put their, their own interpretation on it and watch a song evolve. In fact, I remember, you know, um, when, um, Trouble, when you first brought Trouble in and Getting Good, my first thing was, man, these songs are very similar in a way, which you guys probably think is funny if you listen to them on the record. They're not similar at all. Mm -hmm. But stripped down the way they are presented, they are very similar. But once you get all everybody's parts on it, and Danny is such a big part of that. He's our utility guy. Uh, We we sometimes call him our guitarist, but he's really kind of a utility player. He plays everything. And uh, man, once you start getting all those sounds on it, it's like, the, and the things come to life. It's just amazing to me to watch that happen. Yeah, that's. Yeah, cool. that's uh, I'll add, man. I feel like we've kind of figured out, out like to lean on everybody's strengths 
And like, you know, as Kevin mentioned, Danny, Danny is a gearhead. Danny, like if there's a sound you want to get, Danny can find it. If there's a sound that you, you you're not even thinking of, he just got some new toys and he's going to bring those in and he's going to try some things. And that's some of the most exciting parts of the studio process. And then, I mean, Kevin, you kind of hinted at it earlier. You've got an orchestral background, which we leaned heavy on with Secret Cities, um, with the glockenspiel stuff, with the cymbal swell stuff, with some of the percussion stuff, um, and even paint the sky a little bit. I mean, I don't know that we ever did cymbal swells uh, on another record, and we did it on several songs on this record. Um, and it, I, something I would have never thought of that you brought in, man, that was really cool. And, and I feel like I'm leaving out Dan. Dan plays bass, uh, and he's really good at it. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Well, I'll say, because some of you guys are musicians, that, that Dan, you know, he is, he's a great bass player, like you said, George, and he is the perfect bass player for this band. He is, yeah. Because he, he can play so many more notes than he does with this band but he knows how to not play everything. You know, it's, it's the old adage of just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. um, he's really great at playing what, what is right for a song and no more than that. So that's great. Uh, the bass that's tone. Yeah. The bass tone's killer, uh, especially on, uh, sorry, I'm a bit of a blur. It, it, it sucks the way the, it's got yeah. a little grit to it, man. I'm a sucker for that little distortion on bass for sure. <laughs> well, we, we lucked out too, because the engineer Al Jacob that we work with at Warrior Sound is a bass player. And I feel like his specialty is bass tone and drum tone. Um, he in his in drum tone in the sense he can get big drum sounds and, and is awesome. Sweet. You touched on uh, sound engineering there. I, I mean, this doesn't really have anything to do with creatures, but I, got to say like all of the live stuff that I've heard from you guys, uh, the video and your album, I don't know who you got to produce or engineer that, but man, they're good. Cause that sounds flawless. Your live album sounds flawless. It's so, oh, thanks, so good, clean and crisp and just everything is right where it needs to be. It's good stuff. Thank you. That was with Al as well, man. We, he does not do on-site recording, but, we are long enough, long-time friends and good enough friends that we were able to trick him into uh, coming out with, with a 16-channel mixer and a laptop. And we, I think we borrowed like six microphones um, and ended up doing two. We kind of we worked around by doing two, set, two identical sets with two different crowds. Cool. And then uh, because it was live, we were able to pick the better take uh, of each song and then kind of fade them into each other. But um, that was all an experiment. So thank you for the compliment. <laughs> we're very, and we're very happy with how it turned out. Yeah, it worked. You never know going into, especially live. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that it was at least kind of organic and you captured everything there. Cause yeah. I, I hate, you know, when you listen to a live album that you love for years and then you find out that they went back and tweaked this and that in the studio. I'm like, I mean, that's not really like a live album then, is it? Yeah. Well, and it's funny enough, we did no overdubs and very little mixing. You know, the, Al was kind of mixing live uh, as we were tracking it. 
so we did a little bit of tweaks as far, but we did we didn't change anything uh, performance wise. But we actually did uh, get some pushback from the critics locally on that one for being too polished, which um, is always makes me laugh. We 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 joke about that quite a bit. <laughs> You're getting your job. Could have messed up more. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. In my, I, I don't know, be like sales, all that kind of stuff about this record. But in my estimation, this is a an excellent record. I mean, I, it, it sounds amazing. The lyrics are strong. The message is strong. Where do you see Jack the Radio going um, after an album like this? I mean, it's it gets tougher to you know keep getting better each time. So where do you see you guys going? Absolutely. I mean. It's it's weird because it's it's our fifth record, fourth studio record, but it's our first record with this lineup with with Kevin on drums, with Dan on bass. And in previous records, we used to have another singer, AC Hill and co-writer. And uh, it's so this was the first record where I, I took the lead on writing and took the lead on on singing every song on the record where previously we would split those things up. Um, so I, I, in a sense, it's almost our, our first record uh, or almost a rebirth of the band. Um, so I, I hope it's just the beginning. I know we have more music we want to make. Um, and and yeah, the bar is set high now. <laughs> uh, you know, doing a, a comic book with 30 artists, uh, doing a, a 14 song record with three phenomenal guest vocalists. Uh, it, it's going to be hard to top. Um, <laughs> what uh once live shows are a thing again how uh, how do you think you're going to go about picking a set list and like um uh, approaching the old stuff where ac was singing and stuff like that because there's some great songs there man really really great songs love like carolina mud truck stop man all that stuff is great how how are you going to approach that going forward yeah and some of those we've done so uh Carolina Mud was one where where Danny actually uh, took lead on for a couple shows, and Truck Stops one that I've I've sang a couple times live. You know, it's definitely a different vibe than AC singing them, mm-hmm. um, but you know the spirit of the song is still there. I think the groove is still there musically, and I mean live those two specifically are, are bangers. They're fun to play, um, and I. At least a couple times, Kevin, and, and maybe you can chime in. The couple times we've played those live, I don't feel like people are missing anything. They they still seem to be rocking out to the songs. No, I don't think. And you know, Truck Stop Man is um, especially one of those songs that we have to do. You yeah. know, it, it's like uh, you know, it's like Nirvana smells like sp- Teen Spirit or something. Uh, <laughs> people. <laughs> The the longtime fans of the band know that song, and you're not going to get off stage without playing that song. And I think I think they enjoy it just as much with with George singing it. It's you know, and with the yeah. lineup that we have now, and yeah, you know. and, and I th- it, you know, with the four piece band, you know, the the larger band um, sounded sounded wonderful. It was a big orchestrated kind of thing. But with the with a traditional four piece band like we have now, I think we can add a little bit more um, rock and roll to it without stepping on each other, which is a great thing. Yeah, that's cool. When and you asked about the set list, I mean, funny enough, we're 
I think everyone's at home more than we've ever been. And with, with the release of the record a week and a half ago, definitely looking a lot more at our, our streaming numbers. And it's such a double-edged sword because streaming is like the worst way for bands to, to get revenue. Yes. Uh, but I also understand it's the easiest way for people to listen to records. It's so convenient. Um, so I can't really knock it in that regard. But the other benefit of it is you can see where people are listening. You can see which songs are getting the most attention. Um, and you can even see, I mean, there's demographics on like uh, gender, um, age. I mean, you can you can really see who your audience is um, from these things. So it's it's a trade off. Um, you know, we're we're gaining that kind of information. So I think as far as set lists, which we haven't really talked much about a set because we don't see foresee performing live together in a room, uh, at least how we used to um, in the immediate future. But yeah. most everything's been pushed to next year already. Oh man, I mean, we had shows, we had several shows into September and one in, in October and all of those uh, have been canceled. Um, there, there's one lingering right now left of, of all the shows we had, but I don't, I'm not confident that one will happen in September, but um, it's gonna be a while. Well, Roy Cooper probably won't let you play. I don't know if you come to yeah. Indiana, Eric Holcomb, Holcomb might, welcome you next week and and say you know <laughs> everybody wash your hands and we'll be good you know yeah. <laughs> it's it's a yeah. weird time though do you guys like uh to work from a a pretty structured set list or are you uh let's do a new thing every night type of thing no we we usually kind of try and nail it down and then tweak and adjust as as needed very cool and you know with that do you throw a couple wild cards in there occasionally just to spruce it up or you know maybe based on the crowd's energy that kind of thing yeah i think a little bit of that cool um yeah i think we try to we, we haven't had too much leeway with that just because uh we were i mean honestly we we were so focused on the record up until february i feel like we haven't played much this year uh mm -hmm. as a band um, so we had, there's some of these songs I think we've maybe played once or twice live, and there might be a couple on this record we've never played live, which is uh, definitely mm -hmm. easy to be at night. <laughs> yeah, well, I had a challenge. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I was, was going to say, I can only imagine when it's time to get out there and, and see the crowds again that the energy to be in the room together and play will be quite yeah. high and enthusiastic. I'm definitely excited yeah. about that idea that I think when shows happen, people – Anything you took for granted as far as being able to go see your friend's band that you're like, ah, I'm going to stay in because it's uh, nine o'clock on a Thursday. I think people are going to want much it. more enthusiasm when we can get back out for everybody. For sure. I hope bands feel that way. I put my Corona cash in the bank. So when people go back out on tour, I've got it sitting there. It's gaining nice. interest. I was fortunate enough. We talked about before the show, we talked about the last show that we saw. Mine was happened to be Sturgill and uh, Tyler Childers down in Kentucky. Ah. And then it was like next week, we were like everybody inside, you know? So oh, man. Uh, I, I was listening to, to Sturgill's new record last night and there was a moment in that show. I mean, Sturgill was there and he was, he was energetic, but Tyler Childers was like the, the th and, and there was a moment when he stood on stage after his set, they put the spotlight on him and he stood there just 
like his hands at his side and everybody just applauded. And you could tell that this was the hometown boy just soaking it all up. Oh, wow. And, and I had that moment driving home. I was with my daughter and my wife and I did, I wasn't talking to them. I was just kind of being quiet and replaying that moment. But I was like, damn, I miss live music, <laughs> stuff oh, like man. that. Cause yeah. <laughs> it's watching that guy's dream right there on stage right there. Um, well, that, that's two powerhouses right there, man. That was a tour that I was bummed because that was supposed to come through the area that was hoping to go catch some of that live. Um, but they they had to cancel everything. Yeah, and, and Tyler's been on a trajectory where I saw him in a small theater with like uh, you know a thousand people, and it was busting at the seams. And wow. then like you know he's selling out Freedom Hall like a year later, you know, with Sturgill, and he's along with them. So yeah. I was like, Live music needs gets, to happen again. Like, <laughs> just reminds me. And then he's me. getting Tony Moore to do his album cover. <laughs> right. Oh, putting out. Cool. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I think Tony Moore ended up doing some show posters as well for him, man. It's. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. well, I was going to I was going to say, when you start playing live, I have a challenge for you. <laughs> you need you, you need to take Electric Haze. And build an entire song out of that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Holy shit, that's a jam. Thanks. <laughs> and then at forty-two seconds, it cuts off, and you're like, "What?" Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so that so that good, is, man. That is one, and thank you for that. That is one that we have never played live. That was we were doing a full day drum session. I think Kevin, we had our goal was like eight songs or nine songs of drums in a day and the night before i was watching peaky blinders and there was just like <laughs> badass slide thing and i like hummed it into my phone like it spawned this other idea and I hummed it in my phone and like i think five songs in i was like all right kevin what do you think about trying this uh this random little intro thing and you and i like hash like Worked through that over what fifteen minutes, maybe, and then moved on. <laughs> we we arranged it. Uh, yeah, we arranged it on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and I think, I think we've like played through it. You're like, how about like I'll just? I think you not you were gonna nod at me, and I was gonna go at the end. That's what we did. I I I watched George. He was in the control room, and I sat and watched him. And then he went like that. I went, no, 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 no. And that was what we did live. And the guitar was actually supposed to be a, just a scratch guitar track, but it was so like gritty. Yeah. We're like, we mm -hmm. got to keep it. And it's not the best tone necessarily, but it's fine. It works for the song. Well, and here's a here's a little Easter egg in that song. We so we almost called that grandma, right? <laughs> because you, it sounds like somebody's voice toward the beginning and it it sounds like somebody saying grandma at the beginning yeah. and it's actually what is this is you sliding it's on the guitar fly, yeah. I think, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so listen for that. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I know, I know what you talk, what you're talking about. I've heard it about fifty times now. <laughs> I just want that to be longer. Uh, yeah. Hey, George. Um, you you'd mentioned that you were checking out the stats on the streams. Yeah. So yeah. I was just kind of curious because we just told you basically our favorite songs. Yeah. Yeah. What are the most streamed songs? Those songs are now going to make your set list when you return. Yeah. I mean, so getting good has 
has definitely been, I think, one that really took off and, and have to credit Lydia Loveless mm -hmm. for, for a lot of that. Um, because Lydia is touring musician, well-known. I think she had a lot of people following her uh, on Spotify specifically. So when that song came out, I think a lot of people, a lot of her fans gave that song a listen. So that one has kind of just gone to a different level as far as uh, numbers, which is awesome. Cause it's, it's brought some, some country rock fans that love Lydia to, to now check us out and follow us, which has been awesome. Cool. Um, I think creatures is, is definitely one. It's good. Um, yeah. That, that people are, and it's probably partially cause we've got a video for that one as well. I, I was going to ask if the videos are contributing to plays or anything. I, I definitely think so. I think, I mean, I've always kind of, uh, subscribe to the more you see something and the more you hear about something, the more you're going to want to check it out yep. um, or the more value you put on it. So I think that having a bit, those having videos definitely help. Uh, Trouble is definitely up there. Uh, We're all right. It's definitely up there. Um, and secret cities and paint the sky are, aren't, aren't too far behind number wise. It's pretty cool. So what I'm hearing is we are morons and can't pick a good song. <laughs> no, I don't know. The you guys pick some of the top songs. <laughs> uh, I want to. I just want to point something out, though. I think Steve, was it you? Did you do part of the review? Um, yeah. And you mentioned the the guitar solo and mm -hmm. getting good. Yep. And I I just wanted to make sure that we I point, point this out because. That is one of my favorite guitar solos by any guitarist ever. It's probably in my top 10 guitar solos. Nice. And when you pointed that out, I said, I sent these guys a message. I said, read this review. These guys get the get this record. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good night. I'm not going to say that. Dude, and, and by the way, well done on that review, man. It's not only is it Thank well you. written, it's like, Thank you for taking the time to actually listen to the record, read the comic, and write something thoughtful. Uh, that does not always happen. Well, it was not difficult to do, and it was not <laughs> difficult to decide to do because Steve and I are like both lifelong comic book fans, and uh, you know the. Like I said, when I looked you guys up, I immediately was like, "Holy shit, these guys are great!" And I shared it with the rest of the guys, and you know, most they were pretty well in right away and so it was not difficult to do so it was a lot of fun yeah you know it's interesting for me and i think i put it at the very end is having the comic book to sit on the couch and listening i had my headphones in and i'm reading that it really took me back to when we had vinyl and we didn't have anything else to do and we'd lay on the bed mm -hmm. and we would read those oh, liner yeah. notes yep. every detail cover, yep. listen. yeah and it, it really took me back to that place and i thought that was awesome and to Kevin's point, I don't generally love guitar solos. I just, it's not <laughs> something that I just am attracted to necessarily, but that one just, it hit me. So that's awesome, man. Glad we're on the same page. That's really awesome. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, what's, you know, funny, not as in hilarious, but just this kind of sparked my interest in comics again when in high school, Mundy and I oh, would, wow. would read and he'd turn me on to stories and stuff. And, um, excuse me, my daughter's eight and she's an adamant reader now as well. So when I ordered this, I didn't want to put the owner of the comic store out just for one comic. So I was like, all right, what else you got that my daughter could enjoy? And and then I found a, a hardcover Spider-Man story that I 
I'd never read. And so I, I nabbed that again. So it sparked my interest again. While I'm reading the Jack the Radio comic, I'm sitting there with my headphones on. My wife and daughter, my wife's reading an ebook, and my daughter's reading her Black Widow comic as we're all, you know, kind of just sitting and having our own moments in our own little worlds, but we're still together. So it was, it was a great experience. That is awesome, awesome man. Yeah. And I'll say too that I'm, uh, like by day, I'm a marketing guy, you know, I'm a marketing director. And, um, right. but in my, in my heart and my soul is art, you know, since, the, since I've been little, a pad, a paper, and a pen is, you know, pretty much heaven. So, um, that's awesome. Those two things kind of fight each other sometimes because sometimes marketing is like, hey, let's look and see what numbers are trending and let's do this and that. But like what really sat with me, it was so well done anyway. But if I didn't like it, I would appreciate the effort. But I loved everything about it from the music to the comment to the comic to the collaboration. But you just don't see that level of detail these days. And, you know, us being the age that we are, we came from like vinyl and um, art and posters and people paying attention at concerts and all of yeah. this. So, I mean, I can't give you guys enough kudos to see how extensive this thing came together just to do it. There wasn't necessarily anything else but satisfying the art in you. Yeah, it, I mean, Tony, you're, I think you're spot on, man, with the marketing side. And I think that's a big reason a lot of bands aren't doing this is because there's, I don't know that there's demand. We, we definitely went out on a limb trying this. Um, and I don't know that there's necessarily like a one for one return on the investment or, or a, uh, on profit on the investment, but it's like, screw it. Like we, we want to do this. Like, uh, and, and part of it for me with the comics specifically, it's like, I, even if we don't make our money back, the experience of being able to one, create this and have the finished product the end is amazing but the other big part was like being able to collaborate with all these artists mm. and to be able to create something with all these artists is something i may never have a reason to do again or have the opportunity to do again so why the hell would i not go yeah. for this mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah i i would give I without knowing what the story is exactly i would give a little credit to a wave blue world too just you know, taking a chance to do it and seeing, 100%. seeing the work that they have been putting out. I mean, it's all quality. I have not seen yeah. anything from them that looks like garbage, which is not, you can't always say that about indie publishers because a lot Absolutely. of them just put out junk and the way <laughs> the world seems to be doing it right. I mean, they, they're from not indie publishers. <laughs> <laughs> I have, one more quick, I have one more quick comment on that and a question for Kevin, but um, I think sometimes it's tough. People put lyrics out and then, you know, you try to leave it up for interpretation so the person can have it, but you guys are bold and told a story, but still left room for that, like you said. So um, I think that's really cool. That's a hard thing to pull off, I would imagine. And then um, my question for Kevin was, you know, having a, a background, an orchestral background, do you have like a vision since that goes hand in hand with like storytelling in the movies, you know, score wise, does that help you come up in a project like this kind of come through? Do you see things differently as a story? Um, I would say you, you mean as it pertains to the comic side or um, the music the, side, the music? like tell the story. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I've always been a lyrics kind of, kind of guy. I'm, it, you know, I'm one of those strange drummers, I guess. 
who, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of there are a lot of people who listen to music and they feel like the lyrics are an afterthought for them. Uh, for me, if the lyrics aren't good, I cannot get behind a song. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted to, uh, I bugged George. He can he may remember I bugged him for years trying to let, get him to let me fill in with this band. Um, and, you know, in North Carolina, you can throw a rock and hit a good musician, but to find somebody, but to find somebody who can, who can write, <laughs> but to find somebody who can write really good lyrics, um, you know, that's, that's a big thing for me. So I guess to answer your question, I'm inspired by that. And what it inspires me to do is to, try to make choices where you'll and you'll hear a lot of times that i don't crash on the beat there are a lot of times that i choose not to do that and i crash on the upbeats and a lot of times that's because i'm trying to make sure that a lyric comes out um because i'm always because i'm always listening to what the vocals are doing and i'm and i'm trying trying to take it from a standpoint of okay i'm going to play as little as i have to play and then when I do get to shine, when, you know, there once in a while, George will go, man, play more fills here, you know, and for a drummer, it's like, sweet, you know. <laughs> and so then I get to do, I get to do that. But then those things stick out more when I, when I get to do that. So, you know, I guess I just try, kind of take an approach of let's, whatever we can do to support the song and to showcase the song, that's what we want to do. That's awesome to hear. That's it's cool to hear details like that because I mean that's just somebody that obviously knows their craft very well. So that's very cool, and it comes through on the recording. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that's a mark of the you know alt country Americana genre is that not only do you have tremendous musicians, but you have tremendous songwriters, and they are very cognizant of the fact that they want this whole experience. I mean, yeah. On one hand, you have like my Twitter feed is a lot of of people jason isbel and of course sturgill like i mentioned he's more of an instagram guy but you know when they all lament the death of john prine when he passes away you're like these people are very intelligent folks for one thing but Mm -hmm. but also you know you listen to their records and just the care that they take um in showcasing their skills so that it's not just it's not gratuitous it's not in your face but it's it's punctuation which is kind of what i heard kevin say is like i'm going to step back and highlight what you're doing I, you know i can tell you guys have great rapport you know off the stage but it is it's it's fun it's great to hear an artist really articulate that and say that you know okay that's what we're hearing yep that makes total sense so <laughs> yep mad props for that guys i'm gonna monday i'm gonna see your question because i've got the picture ready Uh-oh. okay you're talking about <laughs> so monday was saying that he had a, a oh yes uh, a question on an instrument that he'd seen in a couple of videos and I tried to figure it out. And this thing blows my mind. It's what the, uh, is this that thing, yellow George? guitar. <laughs> what is that? I've never seen well, that ever. That is a it, Eastwood guitar. It's a reissue of the old, like Supro airline. Yes. Okay. Um, and now I'm sad. I recently sold that guitar to get some other gear. Oh, but, no. uh, <laughs> It treated me well for several years. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I, it's very unique looking. I, I immediately when I saw it, I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> yeah, like I, actually a, I actually bought another Eastwood. So if Eastwood a- happens to hear this, uh, 
there's a one for one trade. It's cool. Nice. Cool. Uh, I still love you. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like I kept kind of freezing the frame trying to see the logo, but it was just blurred <laughs> enough in the background from the depth of field. I'm like, is that a B or is that a, I can't tell? And uh, yeah, just, so he brought it to my attention. I was like, yeah, that, that's definitely a, a gorgeous guitar for sure. So cool. Thank you. Okay. This is one of those things that's like tip on your tongue. It's going to drive you crazy and wake you up at three in the morning when you realize what it was. So yeah. appreciate you. Well, give me some time. And we mentioned it earlier, Danny in the band, uh, utility guy, which also means he loves buying and selling gear. So he's constantly finding things that we all need to buy, um, which is <laughs> awesome, but also not awesome because you usually means you got to sell something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my whole desk over that. here. Yeah, <laughs> our guy. <laughs> And I don't want to get into too much technical stuff. And obviously, listeners are not going to be able to see this. We may have to post a picture of it. But uh, does it have a third pickup there hiding underneath your hand? Is that that one? Yeah, it had. It was the, the three pickups, three humbuckers. Okay, and then you've got that would make what six knobs? Which the knobs are on to you, not your... on the bottom of the guitar, or on the 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 in a traditional place, and then a selector switch and a tremolo. We're, and it's space age. It's got this really kick-ass looking space age asymmetrical design. We're gonna have to put a picture of this thing up on our Facebook page. Yeah, I had a, I had a volume tone, so six knobs across the top, <laughs> and then a master at the bottom. And that was part of the reason I sold it is the six knobs across the top. I kept hitting my hand on and turning things That's up and down, and um, yeah, so. melted faces, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but other than that, it was a kick-ass guitar That's cool. um spe speaking of gear this is for you jeremy i i just wanted to let you know so in secret cities the, there's a cymbal swell that goes into the the solo um, that sounds different from the other cymbal swells that is a 24 inch china that used to belong to reed mullen oh nice um, yeah uh, I, I specifically play i played it on the record specifically Typically because we had just lost Reed, yeah, and I kind of wanted to so do a little sad. homage to him. So sad, man. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah I'm glad we got to see him because he yeah. was kind of in and out of the band a couple times, you know, his, you know, struggling with addiction and all of that. And it's just so sad. And I was glad he was with them when we saw right. them finally because that mm -hmm. was the first time we got to see him. And, yeah. You know, after loving him for so long, awesome. we finally got to see him and Reed was there and Pepper was back with them and all that. So... Yeah, yeah and, so sad. Yeah. And not to uh, derail, but that set, everybody was smiling ear to ear on stage. So that was reciprocated by the Frant fans too. Yeah. You can tell, much like I said earlier, when you guys yeah, get to go back out there again, that energy will be there. That was exactly what they were showing us that night. So awesome. very, very cool. That's too cool. That's awesome, dude. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that. man. Awesome. Uh, Jeremy had a live challenge. I think I knew that, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, Jeremy. maybe I didn't tell you that. I did. Sorry. <laughs> Jeremy had a live challenge for you guys for when you play live next. So Kevin, I have a challenge for you on Secret Cities. If you can do a swell that sounds like it says grandma. Hashtag bookends. There we go. Easter eggs. Nice. We're going to pause the show for just one second because normally on the show, we always do some kind of a challenge where we make the other guys think or do something on the spot. So we're going to do that for you guys right now. Awesome. Now, hopefully, Kevin, you are into comic books a little bit. If not, this is going to be for George. But 
<laughs> because there was a comic book extension and we love those on this show. Quick question and answer, George. We're going to start right here. What is your favorite comic book? This could be all time, current, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I it it it's probably I'll say Old Man Logan, Millar Story, McDivin are, and it's partially because I've always been a huge Wolverine fan since I was a kid. Um, I yeah. mentioned in the comic book, but there was a Sienkiewicz back cover oh. of Wolverine yeah, looking my like all-time favorite in cowboy <laughs> in the Badlands with a belt buckle that always stuck with me. And uh, I think that book came out in 2009. Mm-hmm. And that it was the book that really got me back into comics because I, I took a like 10 year, 15 year hiatus, mm-hmm. uh, high school, college, a little bit after college, it, partially because I didn't have expendable income to go buy books. I just right. wasn't as interested, was playing guitar. Any money I had, I was buying music gear with. Um, but that was the one that really got me back in. And it's just a fun story. I mean, Millar, I I think is a great fun writer. Yeah, um, can catch you. He is. You in Devin? the? Oh, uh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> a little the inter- interview you were talking about when you mentioned the Wolverine number two and all that. When you started talking about that, that was one of my favorite books when I was a kid. Oh, man. And when as soon as you said that, I could see it in my head. And uh, Sienkiewicz awesome. is actually like my all time favorite artist. I absolutely love him and I've met him and he's an amazing guy and I totally fanboyed out on him and he was very cool about it. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, Jeremy there for like an hour and a half at his booth. I was there with him. Oh, I, had like, I had like a stack of stuff for him to sign and he's, oh, it all. He was great. he's a legend and he's one of those that he is cooler than I thought he was going to be. I met him very briefly at Heroes Con. And he was next to DMC from Run DMC. Had just oh, put yeah. his book out, and Bill Sinkevich had just done a variant cover uh, for that book, and they just happened to be next to each other. Um, so I went to pick that one up and to meet DMC because he's at a comic convention, and it's just yeah. to meet DMC. Um, and then ended up going to Bill's table and like flipping through his sketches and stuff, and uh, started following him on Twitter and he's one of my favorite guys to follow. Twitter is normally like a black hole of just like angst and stress. Uh, But he's one of those guys, you know, anytime someone iconic passes, he's beautiful portrait. Um, He always seems to have good responses to terrible people sometimes. Um, So it was very excited to meet him very briefly and, excited to follow him and see like oh he's actually his art is awesome and he is awesome yeah yeah very cool anyway sidebar over kevin well well my my answer isn't going to be nearly as exciting because i was never super into comics but since i was a little kid it, when i was a kid i really was and i think this was my answer in the comic book which by the way i've been telling these guys i was at least as excited, if not more excited, for this comic book than I was for the record. Because <laughs> uh, it turned out so freaking great. But um, I think I mentioned in the comic book that um, the, the comic that I remember the most from when I was a kid was Spider-Man. I think it was, I think it's 69, number 69, if I remember right. Um, it's the Kingpin cover. It's Spider-Man versus... It's the it's the Kingpin yeah. cover where Kingpin's yeah. holding him and he and he's got his uh he's got his cigarette thing. 
All right, so the second question is, who is your favorite comic book character? I mean, for me, it's, I think it's always been Wolverine. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I was actually really into Captain America when I was young. And then I think when I started to see the grittier side, and I think, I feel like they pushed the art more, at least in the 90s with the Wolverine books than they did with some of the Captain America stuff. But, Definitely. Uh, so I, I'd, I'd have to say Logan, man. <laughs> cool. All right, Kevin. I was always a Spider-Man. I was always a Spider-Man kid. That works nice. for me. Yeah. 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 All right, I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting for because speaking of being excited for the comic book, this page was yes. fantastic. This is yes. spectacular. So that's yeah. a killer killer artist out of Raleigh, actually. So a good friend of ours, Mike Rosato, uh, uh, was kind enough to do that page. Uh, he runs a, a design firm in town, um, but went uh, went to SCAD, I think, for a semester. Uh, studied animation, so has always been into like illustration and animation. And he's a drummer uh, and plays music in town as well. Yeah, nice. That was such a fantastic, yeah, quite, a, quite a good one. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you know when I should expect my caveman tooth once I you know mailed my vintage <laughs> phone. Yes, yes. <laughs> if I sell a bunch, I can get a pup tent. <laughs> I just want a handful, handful of gummies, and <laughs> I think that was the top left ad on that page. <laughs> yeah. All right. This CBD is big in, in Indiana. That's like a What's big here right now. CBD big. Oh yeah, oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Not just us. All right. No, it's everywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, all right. Here's the last question. I think we may know the answer now, but so let's say your next album, you make it. If you could have any artist illustrate the entire album for you, which artist would it be? Oh man, yeah. I honestly, I I would love to do another comic book and would love to collaborate with multiple artists again. I don't know if, if we'll go for thirty again, <laughs> um, which was stoked to work with everybody we worked with. But it obviously we we kind of hit on it, Bill Sienkiewicz. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a cover, if it's a pinup, anything he'd be willing to do would be pretty amazing. I would be first cool. in mind to buy that. <laughs> George, are you uh, visually artistic? Do you have a camera or do you draw it all or are you I, mostly I do, literary yeah. and music? Uh, I do. So I have pinups in the book. Yeah, I did do a pinup and I, I previously have been doing uh, freelance graphic design and illustration work for the past three and a half years. Oh, nice, nice. I've, I've done album covers for other bands and t-shirts and stuff like that. And then locally work with a lot of festivals, uh, some in Virginia and mostly in North Carolina uh, doing design work for as well. Very cool. Awesome. But not in comics. I, you know, partially I don't have the skill set and wanted to lean on people very capable of doing this work that I was fans of and that were kind enough to say yes, uh, but also did not have the mental capacity to figure out how to draw this stuff was so very happy to yeah. have people forward there. It was very eclectic too, like the styles and everything. I mean, it, it was very different. Each one looked very different and you got a couple of big names in there like Koi Fam and was it uh, John Paul Leon? Yeah. Is that oh, right? No, Tommy Lee Edwards. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy Lee Edwards. Yes. That's yeah, yeah. I think shared a studio with Don Paul Young. Yeah. So, so how much? 
I was just going to say, it's crazy. We're talking about music talent in North Carolina. Uh, Tommy lives down the road, like 30 minutes from us in North Carolina. Uh, Rico Renzi, who colored several pages mm -hmm. and it colored a ton of stuff for Marvel and, and several publishers. It lives down in Charlotte. Um, and then there's a few other artists in like Georgia that aren't too far from us. Um, Virginia, Chris Visions isn't too far. Um, there's a, a ton of talent in the area, but um, also found a lot of people online um, that I had either been following or other artists posted. And I was just like, like Vlad uh, the Ghost of, uh, artists I had never heard of before last year out of the Ukraine. Um, and a couple other artists posted his work and was like, I'm gonna reach out to this guy. He's phenomenal. Um, and found several people like that. It was very cool to be able to do that. Well, that's what I did too. I was like, hey, I've never heard of these Jack the Radio guys, but I'm going to reach out to them because they're pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just curious, how much influence did you have on their art? Did they just get the song and they interpret it? Or did, did you give them a little bit to chew on? Or how did that work? Yeah, so early on, I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. Um, but eventually I ended up writing scripts for each song um, and then putting together references of this is what the character is. Um, and I love it. I need to, I should probably post it at some point. My but, reference included like photos of Jack White in a nudie suit that had skeleton bones on it. Yes. And he had the bandana. <laughs> it's, it's, some of it is directly in Blind Burrito Brothers pictures and like pictures of old Chevelles and things like that. Um, but yeah, had had the stories fairly mapped out, page counts mapped out, um, but definitely leaned on the artist to say like, if these panel ideas aren't working or if you wanna get rid of a panel or add a panel, like don't let this script stop you. Like again, I wanted to lean on their skills and their expertise and their strengths. Um, so some of it was, I think, very true to the script and some of the artists took a little more leeway and kind of stepped out of, outside of the box and made it even better, which was, I was stoked to have those things happen. What you're saying is you're pretty much a genius. So <laughs> <laughs> if well, genius is working yeah. with talented people that know how to do their job, then sure. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and by the, by the way, George, George is being a little bit modest because he's a very well-known artist in town. And he's done work fairly recently with Lake Street Dive. He did he did some of their artwork. Uh, so he does a lot of big, big high profile stuff. Cool, gentlemen. I don't want to keep you too much longer. We've been on here like an hour and twenty minutes now. Um, it's just flown by. Yeah. Can you tell us? I, I want to give you the opportunity now to kind of wrap this up for everybody. If they want to find out more about Jack the Radio, if they want to find out more about the comic book, or where they can buy some gear from you. Um, where can they go to do that and what do they need to know? Yeah, we've we've got uh, We've kind of created a hub with at our website. So jacktheradio.com We've got streaming links up there. We've got our socials uh, Links up there and we've got a web store as well um, We've we've tried to create uh, Different options. So if you want to get the comic and the vinyl or the comic and the CD Or if you want to get just the comic or one or the other we've got those options available uh, the, the book, though, is available in local comic shops. So if you have a local shop, go support them. Um, if they haven't ordered it, they do have the ability to order it through Diamond. That was one of the benefits of working with uh, the wonderful people at Away Blue World. 
And then if you do, if you are opposed to physical albums, it is on <laughs> streaming services. Um, so wherever you stream music, it's there as well. And we love that people are streaming there. It's great. We, we want as many people to hear this record um, and share this record. And sometimes it's, it's easier, especially now, to send somebody a link or to uh, share the Spotify link with somebody versus letting them borrow your CD or, or vinyl. Well, yeah. we, we kind of operate on the theory around here that we just, we kind of pick things we like. And then if we can get a hold of the artists, I mean, I mean, we've been sincere, I think in our, in our compliments tonight, but this is a really great record and it's, I mean, we're going to keep spreading the word and I, we, I can't say too much because um, somebody in my house uh, works for a country radio station. So I won't badmouth it too much. They do put food on the table, uh, but we talk a lot because we're not necessarily fans of what they play. And, and we love, you know, some of the people I've mentioned tonight, we love going to see Jason Isbell and we love Margo price. And, you know, I'm going to put Jack the radio, like we need to have bands like you guys on the radio, getting mainstream play. Cause I mean, it's, it's where it's at. And you go to shows, uh, these alt country shows are, are just sold out all the time and they, and, and they're phenomenal musicians and great songs. And there's just, if people are not catching it, they're missing out because there's a mm -hmm. lot of good music out there that's happening. I hope that, uh, We'll get into the North Carolina scene and we'll see what else is happening down there with you guys and yeah, man. see what's happening. And we appreciate, I mean, that's the, the best part or the silver lining to all this is we're able to talk with people like you guys in Indiana. Um, and, and we've been fortunate that we've been able to talk with people kind of all over the country, which I think historically you generally have to be in that location to talk with them. They don't want to do, uh a google i a google hangout you know or a zoom conference or a phone call um so th this has been really awesome being able to to meet guys like you uh to reach people that you now know and and um hopefully keep pushing that way well i i personally have been trying to push you guys on anybody i can think of that <laughs> might appreciate you guys and I, quite frankly i think my wife's sick of hearing jack the radio <laughs> so well, maybe we take a little break then <laughs> i've been listening to you guys like nonstop, and i don't know i i, I think George, I think you might have seen my post. Uh, my dad passed away at the end of May, yeah, yeah. and um, this was that you guys are like the first band that I've kind of discovered for myself. And I'm like, man, my dad would love these guys. And oh, man. You know, so that's a little bittersweet, but it's oh. it's awesome. It, it, you guys are great, and wish you all the best. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. What are you guys listening to right now? Before we let you go. <laughs> Well, I just ordered that new Margo Price record. I'm waiting on the vinyl, but I've listened to a couple tracks online. I just watched her uh, live at D's. Yeah. Um, and then watched recently watched watching a lot of like live streams. It seems like more than records. Although I did put on a bunch of records today. My wife and I were cooking, so we we put uh, what do we have? A Scruggs record on. And then went to the Warriors soundtrack. Wow! And, then, <laughs> and some Grateful Dead, uh, Shakedown Street. Oh yeah. And, uh, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Okay. Now we're talking. Kind of, kind of all over the place today, man. <laughs> I'm going to suggest uh, been, for you guys that you uh, that you listen to Ashton Knight's okay. new record. I don't know if you've heard of him or no, heard. I haven't. Kind of connect with his new record. He's got 19 records with his band and solo since 1997. Wow. 
is a powerhouse. But anyway, this new record, Waiting for a Voice, is so poetic. Um, I just did a review of it today. That album is released tomorrow. Oh, wow. um, it kind of reminds me of your lyrics and that there's such a meaningful message to all the songs. Wow. I think you really dig that part of it. He's got this huge baritone voice. Awesome. Kind of takes over mm -hmm. the scene. But um, you should check Crazy. that out. He's going to be on the show on uh, August 2nd. So we're kind of excited Very about cool. that. And Kevin, what are you listening to? Oh, let's see. Um, a lot of lately, a lot of Joshua James and uh, and Dawes. Oh yeah, <laughs> still a lot of Dawes. Dawes is what <laughs> like my go-to on my phone. Uh, so every time we get in the car and the Bluetooth connects, Dawes always comes on. Nice. So I don't mind. your final word. Um. Well, I. Steve, you probably know this better than anybody, but like, I just spend most of my days looking for new music. Back in the day, it was like going through the CD bins, and now it's like trying to find something streaming. Um, and this has been a great find. I'm so glad that Jeremy brought it to the table. Um, I've already, an hour before the show, I was standing out in front of my house with a friend and telling him, you have to check this album out. And so it's, it's, it's definitely a great album. You guys did great. But my last words, I guess, would be to anybody listening get the comic. I mean, you're, I know you're supporting the artist, but this is something that you really get your return on the investment because you don't get experiences like this very often. So get the comic, listen to the, listen to the album and you won't be sorry. JPP for your final word. Hey, and if you guys find yourself in Indiana, uh, you know, once things subside and doing a show, please let us know. We will be there and uh, we'll hype it up for sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. All right. My final word. Um, I don't listen to country music <laughs> and I love record. I'm just going to yeah. be honest. I, when, when I, he first said, I'm like, they're country. I don't get it. You know, but then I listen, totally bought in, totally mm -hmm. love it. Awesome. I'm on board. And it's just almost like Tom Petty. If he never left the South <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. the swamper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, George and Kevin coming on tonight. Spending some time with us, almost an hour and a half now. Love Jack it. Radio, people, you need to find this record. Listen to it. It is the fifth album, uh, fourth fourth studio album, right? Yeah. Awesome. You guys need to check this out. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher, and at rock985.com. After you listen, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We will see you next week for The Chicks. I believe. Yeah. Correct. They're no longer Dixie Chicks, right? That's correct. They're the Chicks. We're going to review that album next week. We'll see you then. Bye now.